What is up and welcome in. It's another edition of 10,000 Pitches, a podcast devoted to everything Minnesota soccer and beyond. My name is Jeremy Rushing here for episode 179 and alongside me as always, Mr. Dominic Jose Bisogno. Dom, how are we doing? I'm doing well. I had a busy morning reporting on some baseball, so I do have a, an iced coffee with me. There you go. Got to keep, but, uh, gotta keep no, yeah, up. Doing, yeah, doing well. And uh, this last week, I mean, just about anything that could happen in Minnesota Minnesota soccer did happen. So I'm looking forward to, uh, to talking through all of that with you. I think I said one episode 179. We're not quite there yet. I don't no, think. no, 149. Yeah. One away from episode 150. So appreciate all of you who have uh, who have followed us along the way and supported us along the way and helped us get to this point. Uh, we are presented by SotaSoccer.com. It is your home for soccer coverage in the North. S O T A Soccer.com. Make sure you're subscribed to the podcast feed if you haven't yet. Uh, hitting that subscribe button lets you know when we drop a new episode of 10K, but also lets you know when we drop a new episode of Post Loons following Minnesota United matches, and um, lets you know when we drop a new interview that uh, that you know we drop try to drop a couple of those interviews a month. So uh, to get notified as soon as we drop anything on the Soda Soccer Podcast feed, make sure you are subscribed. Make sure you leave us a rating and review if you can as well on your preferred platform. You can also follow us on the socials at Soda S O C. And then one final note, if you want to take that next step and directly support our work, directly support what we do, um, and you're enjoying the coverage, you can uh, hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com slash sodasoccer. You can support us for as low as $3 a month, and you can get some bonus content uh, in your feed uh, in those 5 and $10 tiers. So make sure you are doing that and supporting us uh, in whatever way you can, whether it's one of those free options or whether you want to take that next step and directly support us there on Patreon. All right, so Minnesota United, Dom. We had a 1-1 draw with LAFC on Saturday. We took a little bit of a break from Talking Loons last week because we had three episodes of Post Loons over the course of the week to get you caught up. Um, but um, you know, we're going to chat Loons this week, kicking off with the 1-1 draw with LAFC on Saturday. Uh, Dom, before we kind of get into the the nooks and crannies of the match, if you will, um, wh- how are you feeling about uh, the results? Um, how are you feeling about the game coming in, and, and how are you feeling about the result itself? Uh, I think anytime that, you know, realistically a team plays LAFC, there's, there's going to be the consideration of, you know, this could be a tough one. Um, Minnesota United have a relatively positive record against LAFC um, mm-hmm. overall. And so I, I think that gives you uh, a little bit of positivity going into this game. You know, some of those games have included big moments from the players on the team currently. Of course, Adrian Heath in charge. So um, I think Minnesota's maybe a team that goes into those games a little less intimidated because of that history. Um, but obviously, LAFC is, is LAFC. Um, in terms of the results, I thought the 1-1 draw, when paired with the midweek 3-0 uh, win uh, over Houston, overall uh, you know, translated to a pretty good Western Conference week. Um, yeah, I would agree. Pat- particularly in response to that Austin loss. Yep. Um, it felt like four pretty big points all in conference. Uh, you get Both against playoff position teams, right? Exactly. Time, right? You beat now the team right above you in the play, in the standings, and then you get a point against a team that's not necessarily competing for the same spots as you, but they're you know a big part of the Western Conference. Yeah. Um, so you know, overall, big picture, I think it's a pretty positive week again, especially in response to the week before with the loss to Austin. Um, and we we definitely saw certain players that need to be big for this team be big in those games as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you know, I, I think that a big picture. Uh, a pretty positive week. I think from both a performance and a results standpoint, you could argue this is maybe the best week of the season 
<clears throat> excuse me, from One Minnesota United yeah. so far. Absolutely. I mean, to go on the road in Houston and just blow the doors off the Dynamo like they did, and then to come home against LAFC, which, as you said, I mean, LAFC is LAFC. I think that's the best way to describe LAFC. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they are just probably the most intimidating uh, figure in right. uh, in MLS right now, maybe in North American soccer in general. Um, so you have to take that into consideration when you're playing them as well. Um, still, obviously, a very, very good team, um, even though their form has been a bit inconsistent in 2023. And, and it's not just a good result, but I think the performance was uh, performances in both games uh, bode a lot of optimism as well. But let's go into the lineup here. Um, a few changes from Adrian Heath, which I think considering the changes and considering who needed to play where at the start of this one also uh, lends to a little bit of a better benefit of the doubt for the team not getting three points at home, but getting that draw against LAFC. Kervin Ariaga back in the starting lineup alongside Will Trapp. Uh, Kamar Lawrence on the bench for his first match since Gold Cup. Uh, so it's Zarek Valentin starting at left back. Uh, Debasi starts for an injured Mickey Tapias at left center back. And then Hassani Dotson, the Swiss Army knife himself, the Amer- we call him the American Army knife. Um, Hassani Dotson playing left wing in this one, a position he has played a few times in the past for Minnesota. You don't usually see him there on the, on the team sheet, but you know, you kind of got to do what you got to do in these situations. If you're Adrian Heath, no Franco Fracapane, obviously still dealing with a thigh issue. Um, you know, Joseph Rosales has been there in the past and he's looked good. Um, personally though, Dom, to see Dotson at left wing and no uh, Ishmael Tajiri Shradi was, was very interesting uh, in the lineup. I thought maybe with Fraga injured, um, and maybe it's fitness related, but I thought with a goal and an assist in his first couple of appearances that Izzy might have earned, earned that spot. Yeah, and I don't disagree with that. I, I think probably the counterpoint to that from just a, a broader coaching perspective is maybe this is a guy that's come off a break in playing. This is a guy that's still new to the team. Um, you know, we're, I know he was training with the team prior to the actual signing, but all of this is, is still pretty fresh for him. So, uh, even though, of course, he's an experienced player, I suppose maybe that comes into play and in just not wanting to um, put the pressure of, you know, at least, what, 60, 70 minutes um, against a, a high-level team onto a guy that might not quite be clicking fully yet with the team, even if he has the goal and the assist. Obviously, we don't know. You, you look at that, and that looks like he's clicking, and he is, but might not be quite where the, the coaches want him to be yet in terms of, you know, beating other people to, to starts. Uh, Hassani Dotson, of course, is a, a multi-positional player. Left wing, not necessarily where he's played the best, um, you know, in, in the last couple of years, but he is capable of it. Obviously, this game, relatively, it worked out. Um, so, I mean, I, I don't think it's a, a call that looks too bad in retrospect. I, I do definitely understand the, the eyebrow raise from it, given the signing, but um, it, it, it's tough to promise, or it's tough to trust, rather, a uh, a new player, even if their first couple of games are good with that level of responsibility. And, and, you know, they made the call they had to make, uh, perhaps they feel Dotson defensively was, was more useful um, on the wing. Um, that may or may not have been, you know, that comes to mind as a potential reason as well. But, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, it was interesting decision, but I think overall it worked out. Yeah. I mean, if they lose, three nil and aren't creating anything on the left right. and you're like, okay, you know, that, that maybe lends to a little bit more criticism, but, but I do agree. Um, but let's get into how this match uh, played out. So Carlos Vela puts LAFC up in the 21st minute, really good finish. 
um, maybe some defensive and, and goalkeeping. Um, if they were, I think that maybe Michael Boxall, Dane, Dane St. Clair, uh, a couple other guys on the back line, if they could have that sequence back, maybe would have done things a little bit differently. But at the end of the day, Carlos Vela is Carlos Vela. He's going to do what he does. And he put the ball in the back of the net to put uh, LAFC up in the 21st minute. But just three minutes later, and I wrote this in my recap, and I want to reiterate it here. You know, how often have we seen Minnesota United teams in the past, they give up that first goal and just completely, you know, really takes the wind out of their sails, right? Um, I know it was very much against the run of play, but we saw that uh, recently um, in Minnesota United's last home match against Austin where they had the lion's share of opportunities, possession, chances, danger in the first 15, 20 minutes. And all of a sudden Austin gets a goal, gets two goals really against the run of play. And suddenly, even after the first goal, you could see some of the body language change on, on the Loons players. So we've seen that in the past and, and that's not necessarily specific to Minnesota United. Anytime you sort of give up that first goal, it does kind of lend itself to potentially, uh, you know, you, you know, taking that wind out of the sails. But in this case, uh, Minnesota United really bounced back well. Just three minutes after the opener, really good combination between Bongi, Ariaga, and Reynoso. This is one of the best team goals you are going to see anywhere. Um, eventually it leads to the Honduran playing a beautiful chip pass over the top to Ray. He volleys it home from close range, and Minnesota goes up 1-0. Uh, this was making this goal was making the rounds everywhere. I saw it on BR Football. I saw it on MLS. I saw it, you know, some other uh some other soccer centric social media channels that maybe don't normally feature minnesota united we're we're showing this one a really good team goal and a really good sort of like right off the bat response to the to conceding the opener yeah absolutely i mean you you talked about that um the potential drop off after conceding uh which didn't necessarily happen in this statement and i think this goal and the work rate and the creativity required to pull it off are a great example of of the team keeping uh, their heads up uh, after conceding that opening goal. It, yeah, it's a wonderful goal. It certainly deserves the the sharing that it, it's seen. It, it's a good moment, by the way, I think for, you know, Kervin Ariado, who's mm-hmm. had a tough, uh, let's say, month or two with this team in terms of his place in the roster, his responsibilities in the roster. Um, great moment to see him, you know, really combine in the attack and, get, and help create this goal. Uh, and, you know, Emmanuel Reynoso continuing to be incredibly useful to this team upon his uh, his return and, and now, you know, seeming like a, a cemented starter at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, a, a, lot, a lot of good things, I think, to take away from this goal. Yeah, after that, we got a, basically a stalemate for the next uh, half hour or so. And then the 79th, real golden opportunity here for the Loons to take the lead and, and potentially get the winner here. Uh, Ray and Bongi break out on a two-on-one, a really nice decision to dummy the pass from uh, from Sang Ben. Um, really does that in itself, sprung Reynoso and Alangwani in on goal, two-on-one. Um, Ray has the ball, defenders sort of closing in on Reynoso, as you would expect a defender to do if they have a decision to make, and Emmanuel Reynoso has the ball. They're probably going to cater towards closing in on Emmanuel Reynoso, which uh, you understand. And then Ray plays the pass to Bongi. And the timing on this pass seemed just a little bit off because right at that moment that Ray releases this pass, Bongi has sort of slowed his run in order to stay on side and also because he's dead tired because he plays every single minute of every match. But um, that just slight mistiming of Bongi going from full sprints or at least sprinting as much as he can in that scenario to slowing up to stay on side and then Ray releasing the pass at that moment 
that pass goes just a touch too far ahead of Bongi as opposed to getting a clean uh, touch to receive that pass and to put it on frame. He's kind of lunging at the ball as it's close to the byline. He sort of loses his angle and isn't able to get a clean shot off. And um, obviously it goes wide from there. Um, I saw a lot of criticism from Bongi uh, or to Bongi, uh, toward Bongi after this goal. And I do agree you get in that deep. You're a professional footballer. Probably should do a little bit better with that. I'm sure he feels he should do a bit better with that. But at the same time, I look at it as just a slight mistiming on the pass and the connection there as probably more of the reason why this one wasn't uh, end, ending up in the back of the net. And I think when you look back at the tape, I thought Ray had a golden opportunity to just let that ball rip uh, and put a good shot on frame. And I think that probably would have been the best opportunity for the Blues to score in that particular scenario. Yeah, I, I don't think either player did their responsibilities in that situation perfectly, and you know, but that that is mm-hmm. what tends to happen. Um, yeah, I, I mean, could Bondi have done better in the situation? Absolutely. I don't. Uh, I don't know if I uh, feel people. I don't know if I agree. People should feel the need to, uh, you know, publicly, you know, be very upset with a player who's essentially been putting the team's entire attack on his shoulders for like half a season when he leads the team in goals. <laughs> maybe, uh, maybe, you know, check into reality a little bit if you're that upset about that. But um, yeah, I mean, he, you know, poor moment uh, from him. Uh, Ray probably could have done better as well as like you said. Um, but I mean, that's, yeah. I mean, that, that that's, there's, that's really all you can say about it. I, I don't think it's like a, a huge narrative, plot point or anything i think no. you know both both teams had more than one chance to score both teams missed out on those chances um unfortunately this one looked really close and it didn't work out i thought i thought overall the performances were good um yeah. and i think both players are having good seasons so yeah i mean i think ray played outstanding once again overall in this one um bongi looked really good as well kervin Ariaga. In his first start back, I thought was very, very impressive. Back to kind of what we saw late last season, early this season, when he's, you know, um, arguably one of the biggest impact players for this team. Um, I thought he looked back to his old form, kept himself clean of cards once again, which is really positive to see from him, obviously. Um, Aside from Vela's goal, I thought the sort of rotated back line that Minnesota put out there um, really did a good job of holding up. I thought Debassi looked really good, kind of looked, starting to look comfortable once again, um, getting back in that position. Um, The one, I guess, thing that sort of stood out to me from a not-so-positive standpoint is a really quiet night for Timu Pugi up top. Um, I think he had four shots, none on goal, um, didn't have much of the ball. Um, You know, he just was was quiet. And that's going to happen. He's not going to light it up and be a a prime factor in every single game. So I I don't know if that's necessarily a cause for worry. But that was kind of the one thing that stood out is um, after scoring a goal in his first start and having more than a few chances in his cameo a couple matches back against Austin, uh, this is the one where he's just sort of kind of fell into the sort of just blended in to the match, if you will. And he didn't seem he didn't really stand out either way, didn't stand out in a bad way. Obviously, he didn't right. he didn't miss a wide open goal, miss a sitter or anything like that. But um, just kind of you kind of sort of found yourself forgetting he was on the pitch at times. Yeah, you know it's funny. I, I just kind of thought of this on on the note of of a, of a twine night from Pookie. You know, we were talking about Shradi before and and not wanting to place too much responsibility on a new player. You don't know how well they're going to gel in the system, how ready they're going to be. Uh, you know, unfortunately for Timon Pucci, he doesn't have the benefit of that because he just no. kind of has to start these games. <laughs> yeah, correct. Um, but like, you know, for everything that I said about Shradi, 
And there might even have been people hearing that and go, well, what about Pookie? It's the same thing. I mean, it is yep. the same thing. It's just one of them has the benefit of not necessarily having to start games. Mm-hmm. Um, and so obviously, Timo Pukki had a very nice goal against Houston the week, uh, midweek. But that does not necessarily mean that he's just already super gelled with the team, super ready to go, going to have a great game every game. Uh, he is brand new to this team. He's brand new to this league as well. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you know, he had a quiet night. Um, I, I think with time, there's going to be probably be fewer of those. Uh, but I, I, I'm pretty happy with, with the impact it seems like he's having with the team so far. And, and yeah. I expect that to improve pretty dramatically once he has, you know, a month or two with the team. Yeah, I, I would as well. Again, I'm not concerned at all. Yeah, which is yeah. something when I'm looking at sort of the, the impact players and, and match ratings and stuff like that and sort of uh, stood out to me. But anyways, um, so I think all in all, we can say mostly positive performance. Adrian Heath took a lot more positive than negative out of the performance, was very complimentary of his club, both after the match and then on Tuesday at training after they had a chance to sort of review the film, sort of echoed, but even amplified all the positive things that he said um, after the match as well. Um, was even more impressed with what he saw on the tape than what he was able to see on the sidelines. So, um, yeah, I think you go away feeling more optimistic than pessimistic after that After that draw. A really fun match, too. It's not like this is a boring 1-1 draw where there weren't many chances. You know, it was boring play in the midfield. Um, a lot of really good soccer being played on both sides, um, which I think is what you want when you see Minnesota United LAFC. Uh, if, you, if you're paying good money for that match, you want to see an exciting match. And uh, that's that's definitely what we got. Um, speaking of excitement, though, let's uh, talk about the newest loan. Minnesota United officially signed defender Ethan Bristow from Tranmere Rovers in EFL League Two. Uh, prior to Tranmere, Tranmere, excuse me, Bristow, uh, Bristow played a handful of games in the Championship with Reading. Um, played all of a possible four thousand one hundred and forty-one minutes last season with Tranmere. So this is somebody who you know, quote unquote, Mister Reliable, if you want to call him that. And he's just one of seven players league wide to play every minute. He's just 21 years old. And the thing that stood out to me down when talking to him on Tuesday um, is he, he seems genuinely excited to be here. You know, yeah. you, you, you talk to some of these new signings and they, I'm sure they are excited to be here, but when they say they're excited, they say they're happy to be here. It's more or less, they're just saying that because that's what they feel like they should be saying, but, uh, and it's not that they're not excited. It's just, this is, this is work, right? Right. Where Bristow really seemed like he was pumped like he was stoked to be here with the loons which i think is is something you you want to see you want to see a young kid come in and um you know be really happy with the decision uh, the the situation that he's in and um i think one of the things that he had mentioned he kind of reiterated during our conversation was there was really no uh competition for him at Tranmere in terms of somebody else pushing him at left back it was really just him and it was a huge drop off it seemed between him and the next option there, if there even was another option there at Tranmere. So he's really excited to be coming into a situation where you have Kamar Lawrence, you have Devin Padelford, um, suddenly left back now goes from easily the loon's most thin position to potentially their most deep position with two really, you know, uh, you know, high potential young players. And obviously Kamar Lawrence, um, a fully healthy Kamar Lawrence is huge at left back as well. Um, what are your initial impressions of the signing down? Yeah, I think this is an exciting signing. I mean, you know, obviously it's going to catch less eyes than Timo Pukki. Yeah. But um, I, I think it's a really good young reinforcement and a pretty important part of the pitch that, like you said, up until recently has felt relatively thin uh, in reinforcement. 
this is a kid that if if Minnesota United can dedicate to him and keep him around, he can be a long-term project. He can be with this team for quite a while. Um, he has a lot of promise. I know that when the rumors of the connection were originally reported, there were some people that were sort of uh, meh about the fact that it was a player from uh, EFL League 2. I think mm. that's probably a bit harsh on EFL League 2, um, especially when you look at the young talent that some of these teams have. I know Tranmere finished, they had a pretty positive season last year. Um, a lot of these guys are incredibly good. Uh, and, and a lot of them, like Bristow, they look at where they're at. They're 21. They're playing in League 2. They're a strong player at that level. The road to a significantly higher level domestically can be very difficult, especially these days. Mm-hmm. And so for some of them, it is a reasonable risk to try somewhere else. Um, and, you know, in this case, he gets to jump all the way up to a first division club uh, in, a, in a league that is growing. Uh, that's a big opportunity for him. Like you said, he seems very excited about that, excited about the opportunity, what this can do for his his career, for his play level, uh, his exposure. So I think it's a good signing. Uh, you know, you mentioned that obviously a, a fully healthy Kamar Lawrence is, is a big uh, asset in that position, and that's absolutely true. Uh, it's also true that Kamar Lawrence isn't 21. Correct. <laughs> and it's probably a good idea to have somebody like that age range uh, who in the long term can play that position. So I think it's a really good investment. I don't know how much of an impact he's going to have this season. He might have some. He might not have much. Uh, but in the near future, I imagine this is a player that's going to become quite important. He told us, um, so both from Heath and from Bristow, I guess he did have a couple of suitors back in the championship. Um, a league he's familiar in, obviously it's the second division right below the, right below the Premier League in England. But he said as soon as his agent called him and said Minnesota was interested, he had a one-track mind that that was where he wanted to go. He um, said he liked the style of play. I'm assuming that means he likes to get forward um, if he likes Minnesota's style of play for fullbacks. So, um, yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how that translates into what he can bring on the field for Minnesota. I think the, re- the reliability factor is huge, knock on wood. Um, this is somebody who can play a lot of minutes, um, who, seems kind of, who seems pretty durable to this point. Um, he's super, I mean, him and Padelford being 20 and 21, if that's, that's exciting for the future of Minnesota's backline for sure. Um, also the, the competition aspect, right? I mean, if you're, if you've been Kamar Lawrence in the last couple of years, I mean, you're just kind of sitting pretty at left back because there really wasn't much there. I mean, you have Debassi, but he's got to play center back. Uh, ever since Chase Gasper left, it's really just been Kamar Lawrence. So to have that now internal competition where Kamar Lawrence is there and he's the incumbent starter. He's likely going to be the starter unless something happens. Well, now he has to keep that spot. He has to perform to keep that spot because you have a very informed Devin Pedelford right, right behind him, who is really impressed and turned some heads in his first couple MLS appearances. And now you have this young kid, Ethan Bristow coming in too, who who a lot of people in the organization are very high on. So um, I, I think competition at those positions Adrian Heath loves it. He loves it. He's, he told, he tells me all the time, if I could have competition at every position, that would be ideal because that brings the best out of players. And I agree. And um, I'm really interested to see how that internal competition helps Bristow's um, evolve evolvement, if you will, um, in his career as well, because I'm, I'm assuming when he's talking about internal competition, not having any at Tranmere, he feels that Minnesota and that internal competition is going to only help him reach his full potential. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, obviously, you look at these days, of course, the team also in multiple competitions often now, um, that ability to rotate, that ability to have options is just incredibly crucial. 
Um, mm-hmm. It's not something we've really had at the position. So yeah, again, I, I think it's a it's a very good signing. And now, I mean, uh, uh, under the radar, but very important aspect of this is that Zarek Valentin and DJ Taylor probably don't have to play left back anymore. <laughs> they can <laughs> they can focus on right back, which you know, nothing against Val- Valentin and Taylor. They have they have done serviceable in going over to the left back spot, but that's not their natural position. They're not even left footed either of them. Right. So you know, it's very tough to go over and play those positions well, even though it's a fullback position, even though instinctively there's a lot of similarities, it's the complete opposite side of the pitch, which which at at some level can almost make it uncharted territory for, uh, for those players. So the fact that Valentin and Taylor can now have that competition themselves for right back, you have three um, worthy left backs to sort of choose from and compete for that spot as well. Um, I think it all, um, you know, in terms of the future of Minnesota's back line, and the players on it, um, I think that um, there's a lot of optimism there. One final note is that this also allows Bikai Debassi to not have to worry about playing left back either, as he's returning from a pretty significant injury. Um, left center back, I think ideally as a Loons fan, that's where you want him. You want him mm-hmm. at left center back. You want him in his most natural position. You don't want, I mean, I'm sure he could do it, and I'm sure he'd be fine, um, and I'm sure it would be all right. But considering what Tabasi's coming back from, I don't know if you necessarily want to see him streaking down the left side of the field. Uh, in a fullback position, uh, going all the way to the opposing box and sending right. crosses in at this point. Uh, so, again, not that he couldn't do it, but I think it would provide a little bit of anxiety for Minnesota United yeah. fans, considering what he's coming back from. So, um, left center back, back for Bakai Debasi, ideal position. He can stay there. Right back, ideal position for Zarek Valentin and DJ Taylor. They can stay there. And, again, you have three three left backs there. So, um, really, uh, really does uh, bring a lot of optimism for the future and the youth injection now along the back line for Minnesota. All right, coming up Sunday, we got Leagues Cup. Dom, the opener, Club Puebla coming to Minnesota. It's an 8 p.m. kickoff Sunday night at Allianz Field. And then uh, Minnesota will then play uh, Chicago Fire for the 14th time this season. Um, I'm just kidding. They Actually, this is probably only the second time they played. But they were almost going to match up in the Open Cup, I think. So yeah. would have been. But anyways, um, another matchup with the Fire on the horizon at Allianz Field next Thursday. And I was really interested to talk to Heath on Tuesday because I wanted to know how he was going to approach this tournament. Because there are two ways you could sort of look at it. You know, if you could look at it as, okay, this is an opportunity to get silverware and get into CCL. If you're a team that's really not in the MLS Cup conversation, you could see where this is a tournament worth throwing everything at to try to right. try to gain that. At the same time, you don't really have another, aside from Open Cup, you don't really have another competition where you can um, integrate some of your younger pieces who don't normally see that much playing time, get them a much longer run out, maybe even a start in a competitive match. No, not a friendly, not a, you know, small-sided game in training, but a, an actual competitive match with stakes. You can see where maybe some managers would say, you know, in, in Minnesota United's case, um, Padelford. We just got we just talked about Padelford. League's Cup would be a pretty invaluable opportunity to get him a start and play him 65, 70 minutes. Right. Emmanuel Iwe, same thing. Cameron Dunbar, same thing, right? Just a few players. Joseph Rosales, same thing. Um, but talking to Heath, he's treating this just the same as he would any league match. At least that's what he's saying. He says, We're gonna, we're gonna treat the, these games on their own merits. And we're not going to worry about rotating or anything like that. He's, he's going to, at least for the Pueblo match, he said, they're going to put out their strongest team, just as they would in a league match, which 
Minnesota sitting 10th in the West, you can see where maybe they would want to take advantage of this opportunity to try to get something this season. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a fair way to approach it. I mean, that feels realistically like the, the silverware the team's most likely to, to have a, a chance at. I mean, obviously the, the playoffs are still a possibility and, and by default, that means you have a shot at the league title, but um, you know, uh, with the open cup gone, this, this does kind of feel like a real chance at something. Um, so understandable. I, I, I think it's um, good on, on Heath for, you know, respecting these games and, and, uh, wanting his players to show up for them, you know, especially when you have an opportunity to play uh, a team like Puebla in a competitive match. That's a big uh, a, a opportunity, a big occasion. Uh, so, yeah, no, I mean, I, I'm looking forward to seeing how these games played. You know, the, the Leeds Cup is, is still a tournament that I, I think a lot of people are still sort of waiting to have conclusions on uh, in terms of its place in, in CONCACAF, its place in MLS. Um it's frankly a competition I have minimal exposure to thus far. Uh, so I'm looking forward to seeing how Minnesota can kind of navigate its way through it. Um, I think these, both these games should be interesting. And uh, yeah, no, I, I look forward to seeing, you know, a strong Minnesota United team matchup uh, with, with a team like uh, Pueblo. If you're wondering if we'll see Ethan Bristow on Sunday, um, not going to rule out the possibility. There is some paperwork stuff. He wasn't, training fully with the team on Tuesday. He can't really fully integrate with the group until he gets his visa until he gets all his paperwork. Um, and that's, he can't play obviously until that happens either. Um, and I'm not sure if he'll play, if he's not able to actually fully participate in training first. So, um, there, you know, potentially Sunday, if this visa stuff can get done, it's out of the team's control. Obviously, it's your your it's bureaucracy, right? I mean, yeah. We saw it with uh, we saw it with Sang Ben, where we were thinking it was going to take a long time, and then we thought it was going to be uh, happening soon, and then all of a sudden it looked like it was going to take a long time again, and then he was ready for the St. Louis match, and but then he didn't make it in time for the St. Louis match. So it, it, this can go. It's a big roller coaster in terms of waiting for these visas and waiting for this paperwork and see when somebody's going to be able to play. Um, we didn't necessarily at the beginning think Timu Puki was going to be ready uh, for the match against Austin. And then suddenly his paperwork comes back like that. And he's he, the next day he's ready to go. Actually, it was like two hours after training that we found out that when we were told that eh, maybe, but probably not that like, Oh, he's got his paperwork. He's ready to go. So it's uh, it really is. Um, it, it can, it can change like that. Paperwork can come in and be done. Even if you think it's going to take uh, a lot longer. So um, no idea if Ethan Bristow is going to be available on Sunday. Um, wouldn't be surprised if I, by the time you're hearing this, we've gotten news that his paperwork's in and he's training with the team and he'll be available on Sunday. So um not sure, but uh, hopefully sooner rather than later for Bristow in terms of, and I think the league's cup would be a good kind of on-ramp, a good runway for him to get fully fit in a match environment and be ready for when MLS play resumes August 20th. All right. That brings us to the next part of the show where uh, it's one of my favorite parts of the show. Cause we get to gush on one of our favorite sponsors that we've had here at Soda Soccer. Golasso kits, G O L A C O kits.com. Go there. Just search, just browse, just play around and uh, look for any club you want, any team you want. Um, just just do a little uh, do a little search and do a little uh, you know fun playtime over at ColossoKits.com because you can pretty much find a kit or some sort of piece of apparel from any team, any national team, um, whether it's a Premier League team, whether it's another European team, MLS, old school and ASL, doesn't matter. Uh, Golasso Kits is there to help bring unique vintage jerseys to your home. 
And so when you go there, go to galazzokits.com and you search and you find the kit you want. Boom. Perfect. Already reasonably priced. But when you use that code loons at checkout, L-O-O-N-S, you will get 15% off your entire order. Doesn't matter how many kits you get. Doesn't matter whether you get the bundle pack, the mystery kit, you pick a kit yourself, you buy five kits. Doesn't matter. That code loons gets you 15% off your entire order at GolassoKits.com. So why not go there now? G-O-L-A-C-O kits.com. Use code loons at checkout, L-O-O-N-S for 15% off huge thanks to our friends at Galasso Kids for supporting the 10,000 Pitches Podcast and everything we're doing over at sodasoccer.com. All right, Dom, jumping down to MLS Next Pro. Before we get to Next Pro, just want to give a shout out to Cage Romanshin of the MNUFC Academy. He represented uh, Minnesota United in the MLS Next All-Star Game. He was actually the only Minnesota United representative at any level for anything going on at All-Star Weekend. Uh, so congrats to Cage, 18 years old from Apple Valley. Um, big standout on the U19 stage. Obviously, he's made a few appearances for MNUFC 2 this season as well, really turning some heads within the academy and really awesome to see him get that uh, get that chance and get that opportunity to play on the big stage uh, in the in the MLS Next All-Star game. Yeah, absolutely. Unfortunately, unfortunately that we had to watch it on TikTok, though. I mean, <laughs> what are we doing there? But, yeah, no, uh, and, and shout out to Jacob, who had a really quick, good story on, uh, yes. on him as Go well. check that out. So, yeah, absolutely. Sodasoccer.com, search, uh, just search Jacob Schneider, search Cage Romansh, and you'll be able to uh, to find that uh, find that story. Really good sort of a profile and uh, an exclusive convo with Cage ahead of the All-Star game, but still relevant, even though the game has since passed. Um, MNUFC2, though, let's talk about the doubloons. 2-0 win over LAFC2 on Sunday. It was Diogo Pacheco and Emmanuel Iwe with the goals. Um, kind of a, if you want to use a baseball term, maybe sort of like a, 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 a rehab, uh, assignment for Emmanuel Iwe there coming off his uh, his hamstring injury. Uh, but he does score for the twos. Big for them to have him, I think, on the pitch as well in contributing to this win. Uh, Fred Emmings back in goal, earns a clean sheet with three saves. Um, and next up, uh, the Dublin's playing at Houston Saturday at 6 p.m. Central time. And if you're doing the math, yes, that is right before Minnesota United's League's Cup match against Club Puebla. So if you're on the way to Allianz Field, maybe bring up MLS season pass on your on your phone or something. Don't watch while you're driving. Maybe we just have the sound on. And uh, Or maybe if you're on the train, you can watch uh, the Dubloons in action as you gear up for the Loons and uh, Club Puebla. But, um, you know, the, the, the twos have sort of been trading results a little bit. Win one, lose one, win one, lose one. But um, I think one of the keys over the last month or so is – that defensively, without Padelford, they're still, you know, finding ways to hold clean sheets or at least keep teams off the board, keep keep chances. I mean, Fred Emmings only three saves and a clean sheet, so really good defensive performance once again. I think this team is really starting to find its footing defensively in a league where, to be honest, in year one, the de- the defense across the board league wide was not great. Um, but Minnesota has found, found a way to really be stout defensively, especially over this last month. And another clean sheet just kind of proves that they're trending in the right direction without one of their most impact players at the beginning of the season. Cause Bedelford's got first team responsibilities now. Yeah, absolutely. That's a good point. Um, you know, that, that, that's one of the challenges that this team's had to face. Uh, like you said, you know, through the season, there's, there's been some, some upward patches, downward patches this last couple of games, they've had largely good results. They've got like one loss in their last four. Um, and, you know, overall, I think they've done well 
to sort of rebound a little bit from a tough stretch they had like a month and a half ago. Uh, get some good results. They're in sixth place in the West, I think now, which is a pretty good position. Um, gives them gives them a, a more approachable hill to climb. So yeah, no, I mean, I, I think the team's doing a good job of of adapting to the challenges it's facing, uh, whether that be roster availability or just the the general course of the season. Um, and uh, yeah, it's great to see. You know, even if there are occasionally are results that are tough, it is great to see this team, which you know is 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 being trusted with developing the next generation of players for the first team now. Um, it is good to see them able to pick up results like this and, and, and show up in games, get a clean sheet, score some goals. Uh, yeah, Pacheco and Iwe both with, with some really good moments in this game. Uh, Iwe off the bench as well, so making the most of the minutes he got. Um, yeah, so you know, I, I think a lot of positives. I think any of the negatives from some of the recent uh, uh, poor results that they've gotten were, were consistent into this game and, and kind of shined brightly in this one. So, yeah. I have a bit of foot and mouth here, Dom. Padelford did play in this one, uh, but Oops. but they have held multiple clean sheets over the yeah, last yeah, month yeah. without him in the lineup. So I think the larger point still stands, but in this particular match, Padelford yeah, yeah. did start and play seventy minutes. So uh, yeah, yeah. sorry about that mix up there, but um, yeah, I think I think again the larger point remains defensively. The team's doing really well. Um, they're finding goals. Good for Pacheco to get back on the board. I mean, he was just white hot at the beginning of the season, and then he sort of faltered off a little bit from a goal goal scoring standpoint but gets back on the board. Good to see Iwe in good form because um, that's obviously going to, um, you know, good for him to ramp back up into the first team with that performance as well. Um, so I think largely a positive from a UFC too as they move forward in their MLS Next Pro season. Um, largely positive ending to the season for Rochester FC. They beat Bavarians 1-0 while Minneapolis City lose their final game 3-1 to RKC Third Coast meaning it's Rochester earning their debut in the Minnesota Super Cup next season. The Crows will still be represented in that competition by the Minneapolis City Futures, um, but it will be it will be Rochester and St. Croix, your USL League 2 um, representatives. While I believe since, Dom, you had, you had mentioned this last week, so um, we're going to go quickly down the Super Cup qualification okay. rabbit hole here. Um, so St. Croix Legends qualify for the Super Cup. Yep. That means St. Croix's UPSL team will not be eligible. Well, they right? weren't they weren't qualified anyway. UPSL, oh, they didn't qualify anyways. UPSL only gets one UPSL spot. UPSL got one spot. That is yeah. correct. That is correct. So oh, oh, go ahead. I, go ahead. I remember what you said now. So St. Croix got second, right? Yeah. If if City had gotten, if City had gotten spot, in, then it creates a spiral of craziness. Then third place Vora <laughs> would have qualified. Yes. Then Vora would have randomly gotten okay. there. Yeah. Yeah. There we go. So, yeah. because you can't have multiple representatives. You can't have second teams. With yeah. yeah. Got it. But anyways, it all worked out. We didn't, we didn't have that out. scenario. Right. The less so, complicated version happened. The, the champions <laughs> from all divisions are representing uh, the Super yeah. Cup in 2024. Yeah. So, that's good. Uh, congrats to Rochester FC for earning that honor. Um, I know I said this last week, but I, this is such a great reason why this competition exists. You know, these teams were, were mid-bottom of the table and otherwise wouldn't really have had much to play for at the end of the season, if anything. But the Super Cup qualification just added sort of this, this extra level of excitement, an extra level of anticipation and, you know, focus on these matches. I mean, we were we were watching these matches where I guarantee you, no offense to these teams, but if they're not pushing for playoff qualification, I don't know if I'm necessarily paying super close attention to their sure. last game of the season. So um, that's, I mean, I think it just adds, uh, it makes that regular season more meaningful even if they're not necessarily in the the league um, playoff race. 
Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think it, it added a little extra flavor to, it. I think particularly the USO League 2 season, just in the sense that, of course, um, there's only three Minnesotan teams in, in that table versus, of course, in the other ones, it's mostly Minnesotan teams. And so they're kind of in the mix with all these other teams. Obviously, none of them um, uh, won their conference. And so then it's what else are you playing for? And and it went down to the final day with this, which is exciting. You know, uh, Minneapolis City, uh, the game before the RKC loss, I believe they beat Manitoba, I want to say, uh, to set up a, a, a one-point kind of different situation. Um but of course, then going on the road to RKC, you knew you knew that was going to be a tough game. Uh, they do end up losing that one. For what it's worth, though, Rochester, I mean, very narrowly win their game to make all this happen. They scored, I think, mm-hmm. in like the 70th minute. I think it was a free kick mm-hmm. um, to beat Bavarians one nil. So uh, the margins are pretty thin. Uh, but yeah, I, I, it's you know, I think it's exciting news for Rochester FC to know next season they're gonna have a little edge. They're gonna have another competition to play in a couple of fun games, maybe. Uh, a, a competitive game against Med City in the books potentially would be the first time that's ever happened. Um, so yeah, I think I think it's fun, and I think it's fun to know that next year in the Super Cup we're going to have some teams that weren't in it this year. Because you know, to to be perfectly clear, most of the teams that have qualified for next year's are the same teams that were in it this year. Uh, yep. But you have a couple entities that weren't, and, and so that's that's really good to see. Um, and yeah, I think you know, just on the note of of the benefits of the super cup. I know this year there were teams uh, in the super cup that, you know, had growing pains with the competition. I think the competitions having growing pains. It is a new competition. And I think there are things that, that need to be worked on, but uh, for what it's worth, now that this project is off the ground, uh, I think it's good to see, you know, those new teams coming in. I think it's going to help push the competition to make sure that it's adapting and growing and and adjusting um, as more and more clubs kind of become adjacent to it and connected with it. So, uh, yeah, no, uh, re- really entertaining end to, to the lead two season. Uh, obviously, all, all three clubs, I'm sure, would have would have liked to do a little better. But I, I think it was fun to see some things on the line in that last match week uh, and, and some big performances from from Rochester, particularly. And we'll get to the latest results in the 2023 version of the Super Cup in just a minute. But let's talk NPSL first. Med City beat Duluth 2-1 in the NPSL North Championship game to win their second consecutive conference title. Now this means, Dom, with the with the introduction of the conference playoff system, Duluth's done. They're not NPSL North is not getting multiple teams in the regional like they did last year. With this conference playoff now, that's sort of the 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 shoe dropping off the other foot here. It it really is exciting to have that four team conference playoff, but that means you're only getting one team into the regional, even though multiple teams might be deserving. And Duluth was the number one team in the NPSL from their power rankings all season long nationwide. And they, uh, and they get ousted by med city in the, in the conference title game. And much like the UPSL, the way they do things um, that's, that's part of the national playoffs. So when you get ousted from that tournament, your season's over, obviously disappointing for Duluth. um, But I mean, good for med city to get it done when they have to um, and, and move on and, and maybe they can make some noise. Yeah, for sure. I I think I have like three, points to hit with this the first thing is just on the on the format change um i think it's really exciting to have um to provide some sort of like final capstone game for for the conference right because a lot Agreed. of times what ends up happening is like whoever wins let's say it's you know the last couple of years obviously it tended to be minneapolis city right there'd be years where minneapolis city would win the uh mpsl north and their last game would be like some meaningless random game at sioux falls or something mm. and that's the cap off 
And then they go off to the playoffs and play three states away. Um, so I, I think it's good to make sure there's some sort of uh, internal game to kind of help decide things or sort of cap off that, that local portion of the season. I, I do think that the timing of it being introduced this season is unfortunate and that it results in sort of this weird quagmire where you have a team like Duluth who, you know, like you said, they were a number one ranked team in the nation for a large chunk of the season. They had an undefeated regular season. They had a 14-game undefeated streak, all competitions. Um, by all metrics, normally, they would have – they actually would have won – uh, the North, I think it was when they beat Joy like three weeks before the season ended. Yep. Regular season. They they won it early. Um, you know, to have them then not technically get that trophy to the third seed in a game like this, which which we'll get to later, did have some, some drama to it. Um, you know, it's unfortunate. I do wonder if for the sake of, because we're on a podcast and you talk on them for the sake of a devil's advocate kind of thing. I do wonder if it would make more sense to, because I, I agree with the idea of narrowing it down to one team from each conference plays each other. But I do wonder if it would make more sense to have, you still get the regular season title, but then the top two just play for that spot, hmm. um, which is not the same as before. I know that sounds like the same as before, but it's not because what would happen before was the first team would get a buy. And the second place team would play some team from Michigan. That's mm -hmm. what would always happen, or, or Ohio or whatever. Mm -hmm. um, I do wonder if it would make a little more sense to have the first playoff game just be deciding who gets to go to the regions and not mm -hmm. have it be deciding who gets the, the title for the 12 games you just played. Uh, and then having yeah. a, thir you know, a third seed team that finished like 10 points behind the first place team get credit for all of it. Because mm -hmm. uh, the MPSL does not give a regular season trophy to the team that wins that that table, um, yep. so you know I think that's something to consider. That's not I'm not saying to revoke what happened this season. That's something to consider in the future. It's maybe a lesson to think about from this season. Uh, that being said, the rules were what the rules were this season. Med City won the MPSL North in every way. That that is how it works. And congratulations to them. Huge two years they put together here. Uh, obviously winning their first time last year and, and now this year as well. Um, and, and some really kind of crazy battles with Duluth those last few years have been very fun to watch. Uh, so just some quick notes on the final that did happen because I was at it and I did have a lot of thoughts about it. And I already wrote a thing that you can go watch. You know, I'm not yeah, going to go read it. Thing. Go read the recap. Um, so to soccer.com. Check yeah. it out. Uh, this game was, um, I'm going to, this is a weird game. Uh, I think everybody at it thought it was a weird game, including the winners. Um, a lot of weird stuff happened. Uh, mm -hmm. it, it, I, I think there is a, a large consensus that I don't, I'm not nervous about sharing as of my own personal opinion. And it is a personal opinion that this game was very poorly officiated. Um, and by the way, in a way that I think endangered both teams, yeah. um, and height and hiked up tension unnecessarily for both teams. Um, you know, the, if you read the thing, you'll know that there were some red card incidents that were de I felt were debatable, some yellow card incidents that I felt were debatable. Um, I don't just feel they're debatable because I thought the rulings were wrong or because they they affected Duluth poorly. I also think that they're worth questioning because they created a game where both sides felt, uh, to me, like the players were in danger. Because as you play on in a game like that where you're getting early yellows, there were five yellows in 12 minutes in the first half. 
uh, and then two reds in the second half, double yellow reds. Um, you get to a situation where because of the emotional experience both these teams are having, you're in danger of both teams hurting each other. Correct. Um, and, and frankly, I felt that was very close to happening on multiple occasions. There were multiple mm-hmm. challenges. There were a couple challenges in the second half and an uh, added extra time, which happened in this game. Um, where I in, was, a, in a rivalry that's already got this yeah. got this grit to it, right? right? It's not that the teams like you know personally no, hate no, 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 no. each other, but I mean when you're yeah. battling at the top of the table for years on end, yeah. there's going to be this competitiveness, this extra level of of not aggression, but you're going to play harder against and, that. And, team. and Sean Morgan and Neil Cassidy both you know coach their players to play physical, to play with some bravery. You know that's yeah. absolutely a part of their games. Um, so there, there were some challenges from both teams in the second half and in AET that I felt um, were dangerous and that I felt were created in part by the tension created by the, the, mm. the center. Rep. That, that's my stance on that. Um, you know, I, I'm not going to go too much more into details of that. I, I thought the game was poorly officiated. I, I thought that affected the game. Um, that being said, there have been games in the past that have been poorly officiated. Uh, and, and obviously the result of the, is the results. And Med City yeah. certainly deserve kudos for what they've been able to put together this year, kind of you know, uh, uh, not not giving up early, not sort of settling for the the third seed, and obviously went to the fusion and beat them as well. Um, so you know, credit to them again for for that and the, and the grit they showed in in their season. Again, back to back titles that's huge for them. After you know, obviously you know having to wait a while to get to that stage as a club. Um, so yeah, you know, I I, I would have one thing I mentioned. Uh, in the article, and I've mentioned other places, it's just that when I when I talk about the refereeing stuff, is, you know, because this has all happened, it's all history now. More the more the reason that I'm continuing to discuss it is because I think it would have been really cool to watch. You know, Duluth led one nil at, at the hour mark in this game. Med City started really well. The first like 15 minutes, Med City actually looked very close to scoring. They hit the post at one point. Yep. Um, I would have loved to see the last 30 minutes of Med City 11 v 11 going for this game and really seeing what that looked like. I think that would have been a great game. I think, by the way, there's totally a chance Mid City still would have won. Um, I, it's just, it's a, it's a little disappointing to me that we didn't get to see that. Yeah. Uh, and when Mid City did score the equalizer, 10 men, when they won, it's nine men. Um, and in the 124th minute, everyone's tired and the game's kind of descended into a, a scrap fest. So, you know, it is what it is. I, I, I think there was an aspect of it that was a little anticlimactic in that sense. That being said, I, I don't think that, you know, the, the format was the format. The teams were the teams. The decisions were the decisions. Um, I, I feel it useful to discuss the, the drama. Sure. But yeah. I, I don't want that to come off as uh, taking away from the fact that the decision was the decision. Yep. Uh, so, again, I, I'll, I'll cap off all of this because I know some of it was detrimental. I'll cap off all this again with, I, I congratulate Med City on a, on a, on two wonderful years. This group they put together, um, you know, Neil Cassidy obviously has been with the team for a long time, but a lot of the players are, are obviously new from this sort of post-pandemic period. The group they put together is a fantastic group, a lot of talented players. They've showed a lot of grit through these last two seasons, not letting one bad result here or there kind of take away from their season and pushing through and getting the trophies that they've gotten. They played this weekend, Steel City in Iowa. Uh, big playoff game. We'll see what happens there. But uh, yeah, you know, it, it, it was a, whatever I feel about the details, it was, it, it was certainly a crazy end to this, uh, to the sort of regular season, the domestic 100%. season. And uh, yeah, I guess I'll leave it at that. <laughs> Very chaotic end of the yeah. season for sure. Uh, again, congrats to Med City, the NPSL North champs for the second straight year. 
um, Duluth. Uh, congrats to them on an unreal season, yeah. undefeated, first undefeated season in the NPSL North since Minneapolis City did it in 2018. Um, you know, number one in the national rankings all season long. But I mean, that's th- this is a very American sports type thing. Like if you were to tell, <laughs> if you were to tell like an English soccer fan that hey, the number one team in the nation, number one team, and not just in in the conference table, but in the national rankings lost in the second round of the playoffs. They'd be like, what's playoffs? What, they didn't get anything for winning, for being the number one team at the top of the table at the regular season, at the end of the regular season? They didn't get anything for that? Nope. Nope, you got to yeah. put together in the playoffs. In these one-game scenarios, you got to perform if you want. And it's just kind of how, it's how it is. It's American sports, but it's also a unique factor that a lot, some, I mean, a lot of people like, some people don't, but, you know. Yeah, sorry, two quick things that to just add. To, first of all, because I kind of forgot to, and, and you brought it up. Yeah, I want to, on the side, congratulate Sean Morgan and Duluth FC for an amazing regular season. One of the best that this this level of the game here has ever seen. Um, really only on par with that 2018 Minneapolis City run, which, by the way, I, I checked, lasted the same amount of games. Because if you include um, uh, Duluth's 1-1 draw with Minnesota United and then their win over the Twin Stars, it's a 14-game stretch. And that's the exact yeah. same amount of games that Minneapolis City didn't lose in uh, mm. 2018. And then they lost in the playoffs to Duluth, ironically. Uh, so it, it, it's it's kind of a fascinating thing. It's that exact same amount of games and then a loss right after. Um, and I think, you know, that, that, that probably says something about how much physical uh, energy it takes to make a run like that. That at Correct. the end, it usually results in a, a loss, um, a sort of surprise loss. So. But yeah, um, yeah. Congrats to Duluth. What a what a crazy season! It's really cool to see um, a team achieve what they achieved this year with a coach that was a player in this this league only a couple of years ago, um, and that the, the the team has grown a lot this season. The attendance has grown. A lot of really cool stuff they achieved this year. So, um, yeah, I, I think I think Med City get to be really happy and joyful for what they got out of twenty twenty three. And I think Duluth FC gets to be really happy with it too. I think I think a lot of the guys in that team kind of feel like, you know what, we we got a, we got something of our own in terms of titles or whatever you want to call it because because of what you know they accomplished this season. So I think everybody walks away after some of the uh, uh, immediate responses to some of the stuff that's happened wash off. I think everybody walks away pretty happy with with what they made it this year. Uh, I would totally agree. All right, let's talk uh, let's talk Minnesota Super Cup here. So um, we talked a lot about the qualification for 2024, but 2024, but obviously the 2023 version of the tournament is still going very exciting um, match of the tournament so far for my money, Vlora draw St. Croix four, four to earn the second spot in group B St. Croix leads this game three, one into the 80th minute. Um, Vlora get two back, including one of the final kick of the game to make it three, three. St. Croix then took a 4-3 lead and added extra time. Then Vlora equalized again to make it 4-4. And because of goal differential, Vlora actually move on. This is crazy. Um, Dom, your your, your thoughts. Uh, I'm sure you watched (laughs) at least a little bit of this or at least cut the highlights. I mean, mean, credit to Vlora because they're they're buried at this point. They need to win to to move on here and um they battle back and and they get it done i i would have not guessed when i saw this group 
went before the competition started that one of the most important statistics in Group B of the 2023 Super Cup is who lost to Med City less. Yeah. <laughs> Correct. Or who had the, 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 the better loss to Med City. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I mean, what a crazy game. What, what, a, what a great show of fight from Valora. I think, you know, you got to give credit for St. Croix, or to St. Croix rather, for obviously uh, having some really great moments in this game and, and also putting on a fight of their own, responding well to those late equalizers and, and staying in it really by, by thin margins, not winning this game. Um, but yeah, I mean, just, just a, a huge one for Valora. They, they scrap a point out of this five gold differential. They get that second place and now they get to play Minnesota United U19s in the semifinals. Yep. Um, and that's going to be an interesting game, but you know, to be in that position at all, I think you would have thought kind of after the first week and a half of this tournament, maybe not going to happen. Uh, mm-hmm. Here they are. It's a huge opportunity. So yeah, just just one of those crazy, uh, you know, it's funny with this group, one of the narratives that we talked about, I recall prior to it starting was unlike the group A, where a lot of it was, you know, teams uh, reuniting, you know, rivals reuniting. This group's plot line was none of these teams have ever played each other. You know, Correct. We, we have like no data on what it looks like when these three teams play each other. And uh, we do now. <laughs> we do. definitely. Um, we have a lot of data. Uh, and uh, yeah, I mean, what what a. What, uh, first meeting between these two teams, right? I mean, it's about as crazy as it gets. So, yeah, huge congrats to Valora on moving on. Uh, huge congrats to all the players that showed up in this crazy game, and, and we'll have to see what they can do uh, against Minnesota United. Now, Valora take on the Minnesota United U19s, who have, have been at some level just kind of chilling over the last couple yeah. of weeks. The MLS next season is is over. Um, so, they, uh, so they'll be well-rested. But, I mean, well, I guess we'll have to see, because these matches are going to be played quick. As we record here, on july 19th the final is set to take place on july 29th that's 10 days so these semifinals, as we're recording dates and times have not been determined i'm sure 100 they will be by the time you listen to this but they're going to happen here pretty quick so is does valora have the advantage sort of having played recently um and and getting sort of that that rust off from the end of the upsl season in this match i'm playing such an exciting match the way it was or will the rest that that the uh, U19s have been able to to gather over the last couple of weeks and maybe have their sole focus on this after the uh, after the MLS next season ended? Will that give them an, an advantage? We will have to see. Uh, but in uh, in Group A, it's Minneapolis City topping Duluth three one in a wild game at Adore Nelson. They take the second spot in Group A behind Med City. Um, Dom, before we kind of get into this, the semifinal matchup, the other semifinal matchup here, uh, what did you think of the Crows and the Blue Greens? Yeah, that was a. I was at that game as well. That was uh, yesterday as we're recording. Uh, a very interesting game, kind of crazy. You know, it's funny because obviously both teams have some history against each other, but both teams kind of came into this one with, uh, you know, they they just completed these very you know drawn out eventful seasons, uh, regular mm-hmm. seasons. Um, meet in this game. It was interesting. You know, both teams I think provide took this as an opportunity to provide some players. Um, starts that weren't necessarily usually starting. So, you know, for mm-hmm. example, Duluth played uh, James Price in goal, who who was sort of the secondary goalkeeper this season. Uh, you know, Minneapolis City, uh, you know, Camille Two started, Eric Contreras started, some guys that have either been kind of UPSL or USL lead to bench players. So they both kind of, both teams kind of moved some guys around. Um, and I think it made for a very interesting game in terms of people feeling things out, um, you know, helped that to have that crowd there to kind of build some energy as well. Uh, but it was, it was a fun game uh, city, you know, opened the scoring from a set piece uh, in the first half. 
uh, after surviving some real pressure from Duluth. Duluth got one back with a, a Kosha Damarasi free kick, crazy top right corner free kick in uh, early in the second half. I don't remember the minute, but um, one one, and then and then Minneapolis City get two goals late. I think both kind of around the 80th minute. Uh, one's a penalty, and then an open play goal later uh, to make that three one. So a really back and forth game. You know, Duluth had two shots cleared off the line. Uh, really crazy moments, Minneapolis, which, you know, both you go, that's unfor- unlucky on Duluth, perhaps could have scored more. But at the same time, you got to give credit to the defenders, of course, Minneapolis City, making those big plays, keep them in the game. Um, but, yeah, just just kind of a crazy game uh, with these two teams that, you know, obviously are kind of on the tail end of things. Um, you know, credit to Minneapolis City for stepping up to, to, to make this one count. I think the real question here is that Minneapolis City play Med City in, in the semifinal, and I don't know who Duluth want to lose more. <laughs> <laughs> but that's true. Uh, that's true. That's a that that's an interesting matchup. But um, but no, I I think you know credit again to Minneapolis City. They really showed up. Uh, you know, of course, with up tail end of a of a up and down USL League Two season, stayed in it late with those two goals uh, to win it after you know conceding and you know you think okay, is this going to shift the momentum? Um. And yeah, so you know, for for Duluth, it, it's it's obviously unfortunate to end the season on these two losses. I think this one, you know, again was an opportunity to see some guys play, move some guys around. I think they accomplished that. I I think the team walks away again, kind of happy with what they achieved this season, happy with that that game against Minnesota United up in Duluth as well. Um, so you know, it, it it's it's a slightly disappointing night i think for duluth but uh definitely a, a hard-fought win for minneapolis city i'll be interested to see what they can do against med city yeah so you get minneapolis city med city and, and as i just mentioned this is gonna have to take place here within the next four or five days i would think yeah. and you have med city focused on an mpsl regional right off this weekend here. yeah it's kind of looking really good for the crows I'm not gonna yeah lie. yeah i mean if <laughs> If Med, if Med City managed to win either of those games, having to prep for both, that's going to be big. Uh, yeah. they, got, they got a hell of a, a schedule situation in front of them. Yeah, And you have to think they're probably prioritizing the MPSL playoffs if they're going to have to prioritize I, one I would, or the other, yeah, right? Probably. It's At this level, there's not like much rotation. There's no like kids to play or anything where you're going right. to... So, I mean, these guys... But depending on which game happens first, because when does, when does Med City play Steel City? Uh, that's the 21st, that's I believe. 21st, so that is Saturday. No, Friday. That's Friday. Friday. And then the so next game, game is the 22nd. The finals on the 22nd. It's a two-day What thing. are they going to do? That's what do. They're going to have to play like back-to-back days They're or something. They have to play like Monday or something. That's insane. I mean, that's what oh, Valora St. Croix did. They played Monday. Um, yeah, that, so, that's, yeah, that's true. That's so true. Maybe Med City. Well, the one thing, Med City will have hosting rights to this game against Minneapolis City. So okay. I think that's my understanding because they were the higher seed. Um so yeah, I guess they're gonna have to. <laughs> I don't know. Have I don't know. Do. <laughs> gonna have to figure it out. That's what happens. Yeah. Uh, that'll that'll be very interesting. I'm obviously both these semifinals semifinals are gonna be a lot of fun, but the, the just the storylines and the questions involved in this Mid City Minneapolis City matchup specifically have me very very intrigued to see how the mayhem sort of approach this. Yeah. Uh, so we will have to see. Uh, we did see Salvo. Big congrats in the WPSL. They beat Milwaukee Torrent 7-6 on penalties and Colorado Rapids 2-0. They avenged the loss from last season, Tom. Um, And they win the Central Region Championship. They qualify for the National WPSL semifinals. 
I don't have this in front of me, but as as we've been recording this podcast uh, for the last four years, now granted WPSL didn't play in 2020, obviously, but at least for the last three, I don't think a WPSL team has made it this far. Um, at least in the last few years. Yeah. Um, and I don't know what the WPSL structure for this conference was like prior pre-COVID, if you will. Um, but at least in the last few years, in the 10K era, well, it's called no. that. This is the farthest the WPSL team has uh, has gone. So congrats to them. And uh, just one win away from that WPSL final. It'll be really cool to see a Northern Conference team lift some silverware at the end of the year. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, huge, huge um, shout out, applause, kudos to, to Salvo for putting together such a awesome playoff run. This is a team that, you know, we talked about last week. Uh, the Thunder won this conference. They, they backed out of the playoffs. Salvo took their place as the second place team. And, you know, we talked last week about how, well, hey, look, you know, Salvo, we're close in second. And, you know, hopefully we get something entertaining out of this. You know, this isn't some team that was 15 points behind. This is, you know, this is a team that was competitive this season. Uh, frankly, they, they made more of that than I thought they were going to. Uh, they've made yep. quite a run here. Uh, they stood, you know, a nil-nil draw with the Torrent, win on penalties. Uh, and then this big win against the Rapids in, in the next round to win uh, some silverware. It's a really impressive run for them. This is, again, a team that, you know, has been brought into this tournament in an unorthodox way, which as much as you go, oh, well, that's a big opportunity for them. That can also be a confusing opportunity. That can, that can yep. be um, that's a lot of sudden pressure to be put on a team. Yep. Uh, for them to step up in this way, get two big wins, two clean sheets, by the way, uh, in these two games, that's just a huge statement from the quality that this squad has and the quality that this conference has as well. Uh, huge representation, really uh, adding to obviously a lot of the great representation Minnesota has these days in, in sort of high level amateur women's soccer, uh, just bringing a lot more of that into the summer. So really look forward to seeing what they do uh, with the rest of this run in the, in the national semifinal at the very least, hopefully the final as well. But uh, even just to get this far, I mean, just, yeah, huge, huge congrats to Salvo, obviously an organization that people know well for its quality uh, in, in Minnesota soccer, but so cool to see them sort of, bring that to this level and uh and make this run yeah again just just huge congrats to them and really really impressive what they've managed to accomplish and uh again we'll have to see how they do but already just an amazing season i mean they were they were given this opportunity right and they have taken full full advantage of it so uh big congrats to them no matter what happens in the semifinals congrats to salvo for even making that this far but come on uh, it'd be kind of cool to see uh, uh, see this happen here as we as we as we get to the final four um normally this is where we make our picks presented by better edge dom but it, they're on the better edge website leagues cup is not an option mm. What is an option, though, that is starting on Saturday is the Women's World uh, Cup. Actually, starts on Thursday. Sorry, the 20th. Thursday, I, yeah. I'm recording time and time the pod drops. It all it makes it confuses me. Thursday. Well, some of the games are also like one in the morning, so it's hard to true. remember what day they're. <laughs> true. Yes. Very, very true. But anyways, so uh, the Women's World Cup starts on Thursday. You can make your picks on those matches at betteredge.com. And when you use that code loons or just go to betteredge.com slash loons and sign up with that link, you'll get $20 in your account of free play. Better Edge is a social betting site. They are not a uh, a sports book that profits off of your loss. Better Edge operates as, as this, you know, you know how when you make a bet with your friends, hey man, I bet you, hey Dom, I bet you 20 bucks that, um, you know, uh, the U.S. wins the, you know, doesn't lose on their way to winning the, the Women's World Cup. And you're probably like, oh, I'll, I'll bet you 20 bucks. And then we would have to exchange Venmo or cash or something right, like that, right? right? right. 
better with better edge you don't have to do any of that venmo any of that cash it's a platform where you can actually bet with against your friends or with or against just other users on the platform better edge does not take your money they do not um, they're not, they don't profit off of your loss. You are betting with or against other users on the platform, not against better edge. That's what makes better edge legal to use in Minnesota and 46 other States. So if you want to get involved and get $20 in your account for free, head to betteredge.com slash loons, B E T T O R edge.com slash loons, get those 20 bucks and start making your women's world cup picks today. Dom in the spirit of the tournament, um, USA, yes or no. I'll give you, I'll give you, I won't, I won't, I'm not going to make you pick. I, okay. I'm going to ask you one question and depending okay. on how you answer that question, I'll have you actually make a pick. Are you taking the U S are you taking the field in the women's world cup to win the whole thing? Yeah. Um, I'm taking the field, taking the field. Okay. Who out of the field? That's a tough one. I am very curious to see if people are potentially sleeping on um, both Brazil, England, England, and also, yep. and also I've I hear a lot of interesting things, positive and negative, about this Germany team. Um, so I'm kind of curious what what those do. I I just have a more than anything, I have a feeling that um, the U.S. just aren't going to quite dominate like usual. I know people say that every time. But I, mm-hmm. I, I genuinely feel like there's a lot of countries that it seems like have really developed through this last cycle. And I'm just feeling I don't quite know if the magic that's worked out in the last couple World Cups is going to quite work this one. So I'm a little hesitant to kind of go, U.S. are going to win it all. Uh, Brazil and England come to mind as teams that I think will challenge play. Brazil plus 2,500 odds to win. They have the 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 10th best odds, according to uh, Caesar Sportsbook uh, to win this tournament. Um, there are five teams that are under plus 1,000 odds. So if you're looking at, you know, a realistic bet to win it in terms of uh, what the what the odds makers are thinking, U.S. plus two, plus 225, England is second at plus 375, Germany third at plus 650, Spain fourth at plus 700, and France fifth at plus 800. I'm gonna I'm gonna go the field as well. I hate doing okay. that. I love I love this U.S. Women's National Team. I want to see them win so bad because there has been a lot of criticism over the last year. This is this is Rapino's last run. Um, I want to see them get it done. But I mean, they're just the the global landscape of women's soccer has improved so yeah. drastically just in the last four years. Uh, that I think you're right. It's going to be a lot harder road for them. So I'm taking the field as well. Um, and if I had to make a pick, you know, England, England to me is um, they're the second favorite there for a reason. Mm. Um, they won when they, they won the Euro, right? They won the women's yes. Euro. Yeah. So I mean, coming off a big tournament win like that, all those players are on this roster, relatively young roster too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just think the U.S. doesn't necessarily have that youthful exuberance that they that they they've had in, in years past. Where you know, some of the they have five, six of the best players in the world, and they're all under twenty eight, and it's just yeah. they're not there anymore. It doesn't mean they're still not the best team in the world, but when you're talking about how much the rest of the world has upped their game at this level 
right? I think I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the U.S. navigates this. For sure. Yeah, and you know, uh, people who know much better than me, I hear a lot of them talk about how how much the level has grown in the the WSL, the Women's Super League in England, and you know, you yep. talk about things like that, and you just wonder, all right, what what is that going to look like? Real quick, by the way, just on the note of of the World Cup, two teams that I don't expect to win it, but that I'm really curious just to watch and see. And I encourage people to kind of check out are Zambia and the Philippines. Okay. Uh, both are like obviously huge underdogs. There's this really cool, I'm blanking on who it's by. It's by a very prominent uh, uh, sports journalist. There's a, there's a podcast that's kind of, kind of exploring this Philippines women's team. Unfortunately, I'm blanking on it. But if you look up podcast Philippines women's team, I imagine it's the first thing that will come up. Really cool. Mm-hmm. That. And the Zambia team is very competitive. You know, they had a friendly the other day where they beat Germany like 4-3. Um, so it, those two teams just kind of as as the outsider seem like those kinds of teams that, you know, at a World Cup, there's always like the dark horses, that kind of thing. They seem like they're going to be fun teams to watch. So just as a, a side note, I encourage people to kind of, if you're able to watch the highlights or the live of any of those teams, maybe give it a shot. They seem like they're going to be kind of interesting. We'll see. Something I didn't recognize or didn't realize before that I, I see now five CONCACAF teams in this tournament, Panama, yeah. Jamaica, Costa Rica, Canada, and the U.S. So um, a lot of uh, North American uh, North and Central American flavor in that one as well. But anyways, betteredge.com slash loons. Just realized I didn't make my pick. I'm picking the field. I'm going to go France. Um, uh, France is my bet at plus 800. You're picking. What was your pick? Uh, I'll, I guess I'll just make my official one England. I listed a bunch of England. places. I'll just say England. Okay. All right. Dom's going England. I'm going France. Neither of us are going the U.S. Feel free to roast us on Twitter. Um, <laughs> he, is, he is DJ Bazonio. I am Jeremy Rushing. Make sure you're checking out our written work at sodasoccer.com. And uh, make sure you're supporting us any way you can, whether that's just subscribing to the YouTube channel or lending us your, your financial support at patreon.com slash soda soccer as well. Post loons, no post loons during League's Cup. Sorry, guys. We'll be back uh, when MLS play kicks back up in late August for post loons. But Dom and I will be back for another episode of 10,000 Pitches next Friday. See you guys. <laughs>